All right, guys, welcome back. To welcome Benched. back. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I like it. Bench Take over. My voice is a little bit, you know, hoarse from all the yelling that occurred during the Raider game. Raiders. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked. No. Hey, you know, if, if we won. can depend on a, a botched field goal snap to get us a victory, whatever it takes, by any means. At this point, you can count on the Chargers finding a way to lose no matter what. Like the, except on Thursday. Except on Thursday gonna night. Well, going to win. Denver. That seems unlikely, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're back week six. Uh, woo, the fantasy season is zipping on by Leo Kaliski. Yes. How are you feeling? Where's your head? Where's your uh, head? I'm feeling pretty good about this season so far. Um, we're almost at the halfway point of the regular fantasy football season, which is crazy to think about. Um, oh. I got a winning record in all of my leagues. No and big nobody deal. Nobody wants to hear about that. No one yeah. no wants to hear just I'm just, I'm just asking about your general thoughts general on the thoughts. fantasy season. The landscape so far, how players are performing. Has the season gone according to your expectations so far? Of course not, because it doesn't ever for anyone in the history of time. It never does. But, <laughs> but we're uh, non-experts. That's true. So we should get everything right. Is it, was that how that works? Because we're not experts, yeah. we should get more right? I exactly. would say that we get just as much right as the experts that do it as their job. So that proves that uh, we're better than them, probably. Uh, without a doubt. Just like ignore I mean, our David Johnson and Zeke Elliott takes from a couple months ago, and we look really good. I think good. We, already, we already deleted the videos, right? <laughs> Did we? No. Okay, good. No, yeah, now we can own up to that. Yeah, we can own up I to mean, it. I think we did acknowledge that they could be really, really good. We just had concerns about, okay, one, David Johnson might not be the workhorse, which he clearly is, so we were wrong on that. And Zeke is a rookie. Uh unproven commodity but i mean he's come into the league and has basically gone full todd Gurley of last year on the nfl so far so zeke and david johnson are looking hot 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 feeling hot 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 all right well let's keep this thing rolling 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 <laughs> okay i was let's i was waiting for you it. to get oh, fred Durston. come there on we there we go come on yeah so week six let's go with uh buys Trade targets. Buy. Buy lows, trade targets. Um, yeah. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to be a buy low. It could just be a general trade target somebody we're, we're keying in on for the rest Keenan. of the season. Yeah. Not Keenan Allen, but keying in on. Rest in peace. Rips. Rips. R.I.P. <laughs> so uh, who's it going to be? Who's going to start it off for the segment? Week six buy. Um, I am going to start with the controversial one. My controversial, oh, I mean, not at all. Probably a common one. Uh, Lamar Miller. Lamarzard Miller, our boy. What? The dude that we pumped all preseason as a top three running back. <laughs> um, he has not performed The volume's that way. been there. The volume, the volume has been there. Has been there. Yeah. The production has not quite been there. But no. it will come. Yes. Right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully the, for the Lamar Miller owners. The volume yes. wasn't there last week, but that had more to do with that offense just being under siege by Minnesota, who... It's just looking like the best defense that's ever existed in the history of the NFL at this point. Like, no offense seems to be able to function against Minnesota right now. That's their front seven is absurd. Yeah. Like, they quarterbacks can't get comfortable. We've seen them basically shut down both top 
tier receivers and running backs yeah. throughout the course of the entire season. So, I mean, you can't really look to last week's performance and say, oh, well, Lamar Miller, he's a bust. He can't score. I mean, he had a terrible game, but so did the entire Houston offense. So, yeah. realistically, you're trying to grab him at the, the lowest value he'll be all year. Uh, because he gets some cake matchups coming up, so you want to you want to take advantage of that. Point to the Minnesota game where he put up you know just over two points, which is terrible. And maybe the fantasy owner is is sick of Lamar Miller at this point. It's been five weeks of, you know, he's he's had a solid floor, but he hasn't really had that big game. And mm-hmm. they probably drafted Lamar Miller in the first round, yeah. so they could be willing to part ways. Now, obviously, he's not going to be a super cheap buy, but no, I think if you can go out there and put a package together to get a Lamar Miller, now's the time. And that's all there is to say about that. Yeah, his schedule um, gets the Get reason he's, he's a buy this week is he gets Indy this week, who are one of the worst run defenses right now um, in the history of the NFL. In the history of the NFL. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this could be finally his like big breakout week. His schedule's been kind of tough so far this year. Um, not so much with Week One, uh, Chicago. But then, you know, he faced yeah. he faced New England and Tennessee and Minnesota three weeks in a row, which are all, like, pretty decent run defenses, especially Minnesota. Uh, but now yeah. it opens up a bit. Indy, uh, Denver, which is not a scary run defense. Um, Detroit, which isn't scary. And then after the bye, Jacksonville, Oakland, San Diego. It's pretty good. Green Bay is, only, is his only bad matchup after the bye. Um, so things soften up from quite a bit from here. Uh, the touchdowns will come. I saw some stat that at this point he is either tied or like very near the record for most carries without a touchdown in a season. Um, so it's just he's like going, <laughs> he's going full Melvin Gordon. He's go, yeah, it's, just, it's not going to happen. Um, he's going to get. It's going to happen at some point with just the volume he's getting. So the touchdowns are coming, um, and the yardage was there until this last week, which is why he's an interesting target now because he has the soft matchup this week. Um, he has one coming off a one down week, and he hasn't had any stellar weeks yet. So the the owner of Lamar Miller might just be frustrated at this point. I'm like, oh man, he isn't returning this first round value. He's really been like kind of a low end RB two is the you know what he's been giving you. Um, so you might be able to. This is the cheapest he's probably going to be all year if he's going to bounce back like we're expecting. I I mean you really should. Yeah. And uh, we also have to remember that they made the the switch. With Bill O'Brien, he started to take over the offensive play calling uh, last week mm-hmm. in Minnesota. So there could have been, you know, a transition period there. I mean, he is a head coach, so he should understand the offense. But anytime there is a play calling switch within the organization, it can take a little while. Uh, from what I was reading, most people were pleased that Bill O'Brien was going to start making the calls for the offense. Uh They think that it will, you know, ignite DeAndre Hopkins, who has had a relatively quiet fantasy season. He did have like a garbage time touchdown in that game against Minnesota. But so far, he hasn't been the like field spreader, the wide receiver that is just going to kind of allow Lamar Miller to to feast. Mm -hmm. That was our whole narrative going in was like, all right, they have these downfield burners and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Uh, Brock Osweiler should be able to get them involved. He's been bad this year, uh, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I feel like he, he's kind of hurt Lamar Miller a little bit and that entire offense. So I need to see him turn it around. But 
Lamar Miller, for the most part, has proven that he has a low, a really high floor, yeah. I should say. And the touchdowns are going to come. That's all there really is to analyze there, is that, okay, his volume is incredibly high. Forget the Minnesota game, where they were down by, like, 20-something points right off the bat. Yeah. And they had no reason to put him in the game in the third and fourth quarter when it was clearly out of hand. They started giving Alfred Blue carries. So that game was an anomaly. So you can't really look at that. But the, before that, the volume was was insane, mm-hmm. near the top. So that's what you're looking for is touches, opportunities, and the touchdowns will come. I think we I want to see them get more red zone chances and get Lamar Miller more involved in the red zone. But yeah. he's definitely a buy target. Uh, yeah, let's move on from Lamar Miller. Who's next up? Uh, lineup. Another guy that I'm looking to buy, I don't even know if – I mentioned this guy off air, but I think he's worth talking about. Is uh, one Brandon Cooks, B Cooks, B Cooks of the Nowland Saints. Um, outside of his too week, many mouths to feed. Too, <laughs> uh, maybe outside of his week one outburst, which was mostly came off a broken play against the worst corner in the league. You would probably say as a Raiders fan. No, would you not say that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, he's, he's been good since Yeah, that he actually game, has right? been since that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, basically one big play. He's been pretty quiet. Um, but now he's he's coming out of the bye week. He's at home. And just like Drew Brees has these kind of crazy home road splits, so does Brandon Cooks. He's pretty much attached right to that. So he's coming off. He has this home game. Um, and the sort of real benefit of Cooks is his playoff schedule is really soft. Can't uh, with it. Week 12 through 16 is... Rams, Lions, Bucks, uh, Cardinals, and then Bucks again. So that's, I mean, the Bucks twice oh, in there right. is pretty valuable for sure. Um, and like, you know, the Rams secondary isn't scary. Detroit secondary isn't. Arizona is the only one you might be a little worried about, you know. But other than that, it's pretty soft. And uh, the benefit with Cooks is that, you know, he's probably being viewed as a bust by the owner that took Cooks. He took him with a third-round pick likely and has really only gotten one good, good week out of him. So I... I'm on board paying a little bit for him if you're, like, desperate for wide receiver and you're kind of stacked a little bit at running back. Um, I'd be willing yeah. to do it. I'd be willing to – what's a good example? Like, maybe if you're a, a Tevin Coleman owner, you might be able to swing Tevin Coleman to Brandon Cooks if they're in need of a running back. Um, maybe, like, Isaiah Crowell, who outside of last week has had a lot of good production, so that might be a trade that's viable. And I would do any of those. Yeah. One thing I want to watch, I mean, I don't have a problem with buying Brandon Cooks, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to see, okay, Sneed has been banged up. Yeah. Uh, but even so, the last game that they played, uh, Michael Thomas seemed like he was kind of the, the go-to wide receiver yeah. for a couple games in a row. And you might look at the target numbers and say, okay, that's a mirage because Sneed's been banged up. But mm-hmm. the thing that I noticed is that they were heavily targeting or looking Michael Thomas's way in the red zone, which is something I want to pay attention to within the next couple of games. Because if Snead comes back, he, okay, he's he's over this toe injury. Then you're looking at Brandon Cooks, Willie Snead, Michael Thomas, right, Kobe Fleener. Uh, Drew Brees is going to spread the ball around, but if he has Michael Thomas, if Michael Thomas becomes that red zone guy, even with a healthy Snead which is what I'm going to keep my eye on. Then I think Cooks is going to turn into the definition of boom or bust. Yeah. Uh, where if he hits that home run play, you're good for the week. But if he doesn't, then he's going to put up weeks 
exactly like he has been in the past couple of matchups. So it could be the time to buy him low. Uh, I don't know if personally I feel comfortable doing that at the moment. Uh, I would wait and see, but you know, that's pretty fair. I mean, I'm not calling him like a, like Lamar Miller where it's like, you should go out and try to get him this week. He's more of like a, if you really need wide receiver help, um, he's a good owner to poke at. Uh, something that kind of helps the Brandon Cooks narrative is that he faced Trufant and a healthy Verrett in two of his four weeks, and he has historically never been good against elite corners. Uh, but his schedule after the bye, he only faces two corners like that over the rest of the season with uh, Richard Sherman and just the whole Denver secondary. Um, but he gets, you know, Carolina at home this week could be like an outburst. So if you've been, it's mostly that this is the time to buy Cooks because this could be a big game for him coming out of the bye at home, at which point, you know, the owner is like, okay, he's back. Cooks is himself again, and then you're paying too much yeah. to get him. If anything, it's almost like you're buying low, but really you're buying at a fair price of like a boomer bust wide receiver too, which you'd have to pay more than yeah. that regularly. Yeah, definitely. No, and actually you just hit the nail on the head there. The one thing I was going to say was that this would, would be the time to buy because his yeah. value is really low. And as soon as he goes off, I mean, just like any other high equity draft pick mm-hmm. where the owners are still holding on, like, okay, well, he's had, you know, a good performance. He hasn't been a complete flop. Like he's shown me his talent. Yeah. And then if he goes off again, then okay, they're probably not going to sell. So I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I I'm kind of like fifty fifty on the that's whole fine. cooks thing. At this you point. can be wrong. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, so far, that's never happened in the history of never, bench dash. But never, never happened. Uh, let's move on to our next guy. This is one of the guys that you brought up, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Be stew. Jonathan Stewart, I feel like he has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. A, Carolina has not looked good. Nope. All right. They've been one and four Carolina Panthers. That's, I don't think anybody saw that coming. But Jonathan Stewart, he's been banged up. All right. Now, Jonathan Stewart was a guy that you pumped heavily yeah. in the offseason. And uh, although you did kind of fade a little bit towards the beginning of the season, but he was like, a mid-round draft pick, probably like round four or five mm-hmm. for a running back. Uh, and then he gets hurt, which is his MO. It's always a risk with Jonathan Stewart. It's kind of the story of his life. Story of his life. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but anyways, back to the Jonathan Stewart narrative. So Jonathan Stewart may or may not come back this week. Yeah. All right. But he's he's nearing a return. And what makes Jonathan Stewart appealing to me a, his schedule is the easiest in terms of starting running backs over the course of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And B, Cam Newton has been getting blown apart yeah. this year. I mean, it started in Denver when he was taking all those headshots. Uh, and Boom, then it headshot. has just continued. Boom, headshot. <laughs> has, has just continued throughout uh, you know the past few games until he got hurt in that Atlanta game. And then as soon as he got hurt, there are whispers throughout the community, not just the fantasy community, but the NFL community. Like, I think Carol, you might see a, a scheme change in Carolina because obviously we saw that Derek Anderson is not very good. Um, no. They need a healthy cam to compete. It's still early enough in the year where they can turn it around. And in order to do that, cam is going to be a focal point. He is their offense, essentially. Mm-hmm. So why am I talking about Cam Newton? Well, the whole thing with Jonathan Stewart is that his perceived value has always been affected by Cam Newton. Like, yeah. okay, Cam Newton is the goal line back 
Jonathan Stewart might have, you know, a decent floor, but he'll never be like the the goal line, punch the ball into the end zone to get you that extra six points type of running back. But not only does he have the easiest schedule for running back, I think they're going to kind of veer away from having Cam take these hard hits where he's like trying to push the pile in the goal line. Uh, There will be times where he does it, but I think they're going to try to get the running backs more involved. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan Stewart will be that guy. So I think you'll see him heavily involved in the red zone. I think you'll see him as kind of the the workhorse back. The only asterisk with Jonathan Stewart is his health. Uh, but I think his value right now is low enough where you can take that risk. Or you, you, you don't have to sacrifice a huge part of your team to get a Jonathan Stewart. Uh, go out and get him because I do think he'll be a viable running back too throughout the rest of the year. And you mentioned... Uh, Brandon Cook's having a soft schedule. Jonathan Stewart has a really soft schedule as well. Uh, That's basically uh, my whole spiel on Jonathan Stewart. How are you feeling about Jay Stewart? uh, I'm with you. I like it. He was someone that kind of fell off my radar once he got hurt, um, which means he might even be off the radar with the person who owns him. They might be even like contemplating dropping him if there wasn't news coming out that he might come back this week. But, you know, it's a week before their bye week, so maybe they just say, ah, let's hold him out and, you know, get him back in after the bye. Um, but either way, he's good to target this week because if he does play, he gets uh, Novlins, which is a very good matchup. And I agree with your narrative that the Panthers are one in four. Um, if they they're they're not going to keep doing what they've been doing. You know, they need Cam to be healthy to win. Uh, he's been getting you know blown up, so they need to kind of reevaluate how they use him a little bit. Blown up, blown yeah. up. Um, yeah, and the schedule is just so soft. Um, he faces New Orleans twice. He faces. Um, San Diego, Washington, uh, Atlanta, Oakland. Oh, God, Oakland, right? <laughs> Those Raiders, yeah. Four um, and one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so his schedule's good, uh, and he, he re- could be reasonably cheap just because he's been, he's been hurt. Um, what would you pay to get Jonathan Stewart? Jonathan Stewart, uh, I think right now – you're not sacrificing a huge piece to get Jonathan Stewart. I might package somebody. This is a trade I'd make. Okay. I would trade Sammy Coates for Jonathan Stewart. Ooh, that's a good trade. I think you could probably pull that off too. I think that's probably doable, especially after Sammy Coates' nuclear week, mm-hmm. which could have been like Julio Jones-esque if he would have caught the majority of the passes that were thrown his way. Like yeah. He could have easily had a 40-point game. And yeah. he settled with a, a, a mere 25, which is just terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he was good, he wouldn't have had an awful week, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. somebody we might talk about in the sell segment. Uh, I don't think you really need to go out and sell Sammy Coates, but I think he could net you somebody like Jonathan Stewart. Depending on the makeup of your team, mm-hmm. uh, I think running back, the scarcity is real, and you need to set wow. your team up with – it's real right now <laughs> – you need to set your team up with depth in the running back position or else you're going to be forced to roll out these RB2s, which just make you cringe. I've seen it in all the leagues I've been in. These mm-hmm. teams that just have lost their starting running back and then they're rolling out, like, you know, scraps, waiver wire scraps. Yeah, it's just it's ugly start. when that happens. Yeah, it, it's really ugly. So you know that there are running back needy teams, mm-hmm. um, but on the, the same side of the coin there are also teams that are looking for high upside wide receivers so it always comes down to the makeup of your team mm-hmm. so all the trade proposals we put out there are obviously not going to work you have right. to evaluate what other 
needs are for your opponents and then go out and make the deal so get jonathan stewart get him uh, let's move on next. to our next guy um this is like a pretty soft buy i think is where we landed when we discussed him uh but he could be really cheap which is latavius murray latavius murray yeah i like it because he's he probably fits into the jonathan stewart mold actually yeah where he's kind of fallen off i mean he had kind of fallen off the radar before his injury because of his usage uh, his snap percentage was slowly declining mm-hmm. going into the game against Baltimore where he got hurt, and that was his worst performance of the year. Latavius Murray owners are probably he's, – he's definitely on the bench at this point because of his turf toe, but even when he comes mm-hmm. back, I don't know if, if owners will feel comfortable starting him unless they're absolutely desperate. So I think he's definitely somebody who you can go out and acquire, and the reason why I would go out and get him is because, A, he doesn't have a bad schedule. He actually has a pretty good schedule throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the season. B, we just saw what the Raiders' running attack looks like without Latavius Murray. And it wasn't what I feel like a lot of people expected. Yeah. Right? And this goes not only with the fantasy community, but with the Oakland fan base, is that Latavius Murray has always been pegged as like this, this guy that doesn't have any vision. Uh, he can only run through gaping holes and that's the only time he's any good i mean going back to his his breakout performance against kansas city a couple years ago where he had that 90 yard touchdown run uh you know people are like well even that run you know he just ran through a hole so he's been receiving a lot of hate but this last week showed to me that he is incredibly vital to oakland's offense a Mm. he is the best pass protector in the backfield and Jack Del Rio puts a lot of value into that position because last week we saw Carr under the most amount of pressure that he's ever been under in, in terms of this season because he had been one of those quarterbacks that had barely been touched. Yeah. Like his offensive line was so good and Latavius Murray was so good as a, as a blocker in terms of a running back that Carr basically had all day to throw. He was never hitting the dirt. This last week he was under siege and – I'm not going to blame the running backs, but Latavius Murray was sorely missed. And then even in the running game, now I'm not going to say San Diego has like a terrible, terrible rush defense. They've actually been surprisingly adequate, but they're still not an elite run defense. No. And you had Jalen Rashard and DeAndre Washington who were being hyped into oblivion. Like, oh, Latavius Murray's out of the way. It's time for these guys to shine, right? Latavius Murray can't do shit. DeAndre Washington's going to come in and just light the world on fire. That did not happen whatsoever. No. Actually, DeAndre Washington was the worst. Yeah, Richard was better. Play. That was that was a frustrating week of, oh, Latavius is going to miss. Uh, obviously, DeAndre will be like the lead back in his absence with Richard just backing him up. And then Oakland Beat Report is coming out and saying, no, no, it's going to be a split. With fantasy analysts, we're still like, no, 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 it's still going to be Washington at least 60-40. Um, and yeah. it wasn't that it was a 50, 50 split and Richard was better. And that's, yeah, Richard totaled 97 yards, which is respectable, yeah. uh, to Deandre Washington's 52. Yeah. So not great. And combined as a backfield, their yards per carry average was about 3.3. So it wasn't very good now. Okay. Uh, and I watched the entire game there were more runs where they just got stuffed at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. uh, than I wanted to see. And then I think anybody wanted to see because they were waiting for that breakout. You know, there's Latavius Murray gets so much hate 
that I feel like they're still going to kind of say, oh, well, you know, it was just one game. But I think his value is, is low enough, Latavius Murray, where you should go out and try to trade for him now. Because yeah. just listening to how JDR is, is talking to the press, he's basically saying that, like, okay, without explicitly saying it, that when Latavius comes back, he's going to be the guy, you know? He, he was kind of saying, like, oh, you know, I hope we can get him back this week. You know, we'll welcome him back with open arms. But then he was kind of dancing around the questions about how the running backs performed this last week. Mm. Um, he, I mean, he didn't throw them under the bus or anything, but they definitely needed to be better. I like Latavius Murray as kind of a cheap buy low. Yeah, he's someone else but, that I think uh, you might be able to get just for, like, Sammy Coates. I think he's in that similar range of, like, him or maybe, like, Willie Sneed is someone still in on the hype he had earlier in the year. Um, so Latavius yeah, honestly, is probably pretty fed up at this point. Yeah, Latavius, he's probably, I mean, I don't think he's dropped at this point, but no. he's he's on the back of somebody's bench, and they're probably willing to take whatever they can get for Latavius Murray. And his schedule's good. Uh, he gets, if, if he's back this week, Chiefs, but then, you know, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Denver, uh, by and like Houston, Carolina, Buffalo. His playoff schedule is Chiefs, Chargers, Colts, and that's a pretty juicy playoff schedule for a running back. Yeah. The Chiefs actually haven't been very good against a run, which no. is surprising. Yeah. Uh, but I like Latavius' schedule. Yeah. I think when he gets healthy, they will use him a lot more than what we've seen because I think the one thing that stood out to me was the pass protection. The pass protection really struggled. And you can also point to the fact that they lost their best pass blocking tight end, Lee Smith, Mm -hmm. who broke his leg in Baltimore. So he's done. Uh, But the running backs certainly didn't help matters. And all the beat writers are coming out and saying like, all right, yeah, Latavius is a crucial part of that offense. I think they realized that this week that he – if he's not running the ball, then he's he's crucial in the pass protection. Yeah. So Latavius Murray by low. Next on the list is Jeremy Macklin. Uh, J Mac. Yeah, this one is just the he's you know kind of underperformed since week one. Uh, but you know he, he's I, I didn't really understand why he was performing poorly. I didn't really see what the case was. Um, but either way, they're coming out of the bye week, so you hope things have been rectified. Uh, and they yep. get Oakland this week. Uh, the schedule's kind of open up and down. I mean, it's Oakland and New Orleans, which you like. Um, Indy, which generally they have Vontae back. It's not really that great for the number one wide receiver. But then Jacksonville, Carolina, Tampa Bay. His schedule is mostly pretty good the rest of the way. Um, and he is, again, someone you could probably get very cheap because he's just he's sitting at the end of someone's bench and they're just frustrated with him at this point. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy Macklin I like. Um his schedule coming up, you just pointed it out. I mean, it's yeah. tasty for a wide receiver. They've already had their bye, which is also something attractive when you're looking at acquiring a player. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to worry about his bye week. And typically, the bye week is where when, – when teams have these early buys, now they're often not very helpful uh, – for fantasy owners because you're dealing with the buy like super early in the season mm-hmm. which can be frustrating but for a team an nfl team that is struggling like kansas city is struggling an early buy could be a boon yeah. uh for their players uh we saw this with lamar miller last year i think they had to buy the exact same week week five and he was struggling and then he came out in week six and just turned turned it up 
and finished as a top running back through the rest of the season. So, you know, Kansas City, they got blown out in Pittsburgh their last game. They're probably looking at making some adjustments. Uh, another thing to point out is that Jamal Charles should be back this week. Yeah. Uh, which, in theory, if Jamal Charles is the Jamal Charles that we all he know and be. love. He will be. He will be, yeah. Spoken like a true <laughs> Jamal Charles owner. Yeah. That he should just make everybody in that offense better because yeah. teams are going to have to game plan a little bit because Jamal Charles is so versatile that, okay, they're going to have to pay attention to him in the pass game. They're going to have to pay attention to him in the running game. Mm -hmm. And Jeremy Macklin should have a little bit more space to operate. And Alex Smith, even though he gets a lot of hate for being this game manager, he can still get the ball to Jeremy Macklin when he needs to get the ball to Jeremy Macklin. So, yeah. like you said, I mean, he's... He's probably pretty cheap. I bet you could probably trade Sammy Coates for Jeremy Macklin. We keep oh, yeah. on bringing up Sammy Coates. Uh, <laughs> not that we hate Sammy Coates, but I think his value is just so high right now that yeah. you have to take advantage before he you know, has the drop season another week and falls out of favor with the coaching staff because that yeah. could happen. I think it's pretty likely. We'll talk about him when we get to ourselves. Um, but I'd even do like a, a couple other guys we talk about in ourselves, like Martellus Bennett for Jeremy Macklin might be possible if the guy's tight end maybe, or even like I'd give up Terrence West for Jeremy Macklin because I just I don't buy it. I think it was yeah. nice for a couple weeks, but you know it's it's going to end soon for Terrence West. Um, so the end is near. Yeah. The end is near. Yeah. So Jeremy Macklin. Uh, let's move on to. We won't go too in depth about this guy. Just kind of a reminder because we mentioned him last week. Uh, Doug Martin. Um, <laughs> we always say we won't go too in depth. This section is already longer than I thought it would be. Even off air, we're like, all right, let's just keep it straight to the point, and then somehow we end up <laughs> rambling. Uh, with Doug Martin, really all we're going to do is remind you of um, Sims is on the IR. Uh, yep. He should be back and healthy after the bye, and he has probably the best running back schedule from here to the end of the season uh, with San Francisco, Oakland, Atlanta, Chicago, Chiefs, uh, get Seattle once, which isn't great, but then Chargers, and then in the playoffs, Saints, Cowboys, Saints, which is just like a dream a dream slate for running back during the playoffs. And so he'll be – we yep. saw with how much they ran um, to quiz 35 touches last week because they just don't trust Winston to throw it. And so enter Doug Martin, who's actually a good running back, you know, with no Sims yeah. there to eat into his workload. And, you know, he could have he could have a, a monster second half to the season. Uh, we outlined all this last week, but just a reminder that go get Doug Martin um, – you might it's have probably the chance. last week you can you can get him. Yeah, because it's his bye week, really? and the and the owner might be like, oh, I'm really sick of holding him, and it's in his bye. You're still gonna have to pay up a decent amount, but um, next week they're just gonna be like, No, he's he's back, and I want to use him, so it's gonna be hard to get him next week. Yeah, another thing to pay close attention to is we're just getting to the point in the season where teams will be entering that desperation mode. If a team is sitting there at one and yeah. four, or even zero oh and five. Uh, they don't have the luxury of holding these players on the bench. It turns into, like, I have to take this week by week and win now. So when the bye weeks come up, uh, we've seen the strategy before. I think you did this last year when you mm -hmm. got off to a slow start, is you start selling off your high-end players that are on a bye because you can return, you can get value for that week. And, and essentially, you have to win that week. Yeah. If you're in a situation where if you lose one more matchup, you're probably out of the playoff race then you can't really just sit back and say, well, you know, in a couple more weeks, Doug Martin will be back and he'll be, he's going to be elite. Yeah. Uh, you, they could be one in six or one in seven by that point, you know, them, yeah. so too late to apologize. <laughs> so you really just, you really need to just go talk to the Doug Martin owner if they are struggling because he's been out for a while. They could have 
kind of fallen off with the loss of Doug Martin. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been poking around. Pick. I've been poking around on Doug Martin owners, and most of them are like, nah, I can hold a little bit longer. They're not desperate. It's really got to be the equation of like, they're desperate. Um, they really need a win, and they can't hold Doug Martin. Otherwise, you're gonna have to pay like kind of a high price, which I guess I don't mind too much. But you know, coming off of a hamstring injury, those have a a way of sort of nagging on. And Doug Martin specifically has sort of a history of getting injured and kind of being unproductive the rest of the year. Um, so I, he's a buy, but I wouldn't sell the farm. It's more like if the, the situation is right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, now is the time to buy him because of the buy. You probably don't have the luxury to sit back and wait until the practice reports come out next week. No. Because if they come out positive, then he will be untouchable, basically, if the owner is smart. Uh, it's a risk you have to take, really. As the practice reports come out negative, then you might be on the losing side of that trade. But yeah. I think the reward is so high with Doug Martin because you mentioned Jaquiz Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked good. I mean, yeah. uh, he didn't look great, but he looked like you know a startable running back in yeah. that game. And if Jaquiz Rogers can look like a starting <laughs> running back, Doug Martin should look like a star. Yeah, he should look just elite, yeah. like RB1, the RB1. The RB1. All right, uh, let's, let's move right along. Uh, moving right along to... Move along. To, to John Brown. Uh, we've mentioned him, like, I feel like every week, but... Every, we're just pumping John Brown. <laughs> it's just, you know, he had another down week. He really only had one big week, and um, but with Palmer coming back, he kind of hoped that boosts his production back up again. Uh, and he, because he's only had one out of five big weeks, he should be able to be had pretty cheap, I would think. Yeah, the thing with John Brown is you just have to pay close attention to the way that Arizona has kind of been distributing not only their targets, but their playing time. Uh, Carson Palmer was healthy the game that they went to Buffalo and just got trounced, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then he suffered his injury the following week against the Rams. Uh, and then miss the game against the Niners on right. Thursday night. And then the two games prior to that Thursday night game, John Brown had basically taken over that second wide receiver, actually the number one outside receiver because Fitzgerald is a slot guy. So yeah. up until that point, the first two games of the season, it was Michael Floyd, but something's not right with Michael Floyd. He does not look good. He's fallen out of favor. Even the coaches are saying, like, uh, yeah, he's lost confidence. Something's not right with him. Uh, maybe it's the stress of being in a contract year, whatever it is. Michael Floyd is basically droppable at this point. Yeah, because um, so. he, I mean, he has no he has no value whatsoever. And John Brown has supplanted him. Yeah. he is the number one outside receiver. And a lot of people will look at his one point one fantasy points against the Forty ers You know, a terrible team, and say, oh yeah. But you have to look. Okay, Drew Stanton was a quarterback. Drew Stanton started the game like. 0 for 50 or whatever it was. He just like he looked yeah. terrible in the first couple quarters, and then he realized, okay, I'm not going to be able to really throw the ball downfield with authority. Uh, I'm going to have to take these short, intermediate routes and feed Larry Fitzgerald, who's a slot guy. He's a veteran. He was kind of the safety blanket in that game. So mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was heavily targeted. They did try to get the ball downfield a couple of times to John Brown, but Stanton overthrew him. Uh, the one thing that was clear, snap percentage-wise, is that John Brown is the number one outside receiver. And I think we talked about this before with some other players, like Lamar Miller. This could be the last week that John Brown could be had for as cheap. Because right now he should yeah. be very cheap. He should be very cheap. But who do they get this week? 
with Carson Palmer back, playing at home. They get the New York Jets, who have just been getting torched left, right, and center by these outside receivers. Mm-hmm. Okay, Not really the slot guys, but the outside receivers. Uh, who is the outside receiver for Arizona? John Brown. Who was the outside receiver last week that torched them? Sammy Coates. And Sammy Coates could have had a much bigger day. <laughs> I so, like how everyone we talk about, we find a way to sneak in uh, a jab at Sammy, Sammy Coates. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, we're just we're hateful. Sammy Sammy Woats. Sammy Woats. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on John Brown. Uh, it especially helps that, yeah, Floyd's one out of favor. And Fitz is probably going to slow down in the second half just because of his age. He's not going to keep playing at this pace. Oh, yeah. Old man, old man Fitzy. So Brown's going to be the number one target there, not just on the outside, but period, within a matter of like a month. Probably the second half of the season is all John Brown. Um, so, yeah, yeah, now's the time to go out and get him. And he should be cheap. I would be surprised if the John Brown owner was asking for too much unless they're also a bench dash listener, in which case, uh, sorry about it. Yeah, or they're me because I own John Brown, so I'm not I'm not giving them up. <laughs> yeah, right, cheap. exactly, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't either. But, yeah, just, just one last thing on John Brown. Uh, just a quick reminder if you forgot. In the last game that he had Carson Palmer, he had 16 targets. Yeah. One six in a game, which is absurd. If you get a wide receiver that's getting anything over like 10, 12 targets a game, then you're just uh, you're joyous. So John Brown, keep an eye on him. I feel like this might be the last chance we get to talk about him because I think I'm feeling good about John Brown prime time against the Jets. Yeah. I think he's going to have his coming out party. And if he does it on Monday Night Football, are you ready for some football? <laughs> Do they still use that song? Uh, no, they changed it. I forget what it is, but. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm, you know, living in Asia, I miss out on all these. <laughs> all right, enough of your But anyways, uh, um, let's move on to, we got a couple more buys. We'll do these yeah, as quickly as we always say. Quickly. Uh, this guy's more of mine. I'm just going to throw out Eddie Lacy. Um, normally, I, w- <laughs> I don't really like Eddie Lacy that much as a player. Uh, but 90 years? But pe- he's, been, he's been good this year. He's averaged um, at least four yards a carry in every game. The game against Minnesota, he averaged over four yards a carry, which is looking really good now with how good that defense is. Um, and then Detroit, over six yards. You know, this last week against the Giants, he was averaging over seven yards a carry on his way to, like, a pretty big game before getting hurt. Um, and he has his ankle injury, and things are kind of vague. He's a guy that you could probably go out and get a little bit cheaper um, before the injury news really clears up because he hasn't had any touchdowns yet. Uh, the you know positive touchdown regression will be on his side. He will start scoring touchdowns, especially in this offense. Even if it is like still a little bit dysfunctional, the scoring opportunities will be there. Um, yep. And he's he's been good despite the fact that the passing offense is struggling a little bit. He's still been able to find running room because defenses are still respecting Aaron Rodgers just absolutely. Um, yeah. And his schedule and they isn't always that, will. and they always will. And his schedule isn't that bad. He's got you know Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, Indy, uh, Tennessee, Washington. His schedule is pretty good the rest of the way. Um, a little rough during the playoffs. Uh, Seattle, Chicago, Minnesota. So you're probably trading him before the fantasy playoffs. But he's a nice guy to buy now, hold for you know four to six weeks, and then trade once he's sort of had some production. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Lacy's kind of, he fits into that Lamar Miller mold a little bit yeah. just because he hasn't scored. He hasn't received the volume, but he's been more productive than Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller yeah. is struggling with some efficiency issues. Uh, Eddie Lacy's been efficient. He just hasn't scored, like you just said. You know, he's been averaging over four yards per carry. Uh, he still plays in the Green Bay offense, which theoretically should be 
Elite. Elite. Uh, elite. So yeah, I like um, a buy on Eddie Lacy. Cool. Oh yeah, well that's that was all we need to be said about Eddie Lacy. Cause I need a couple minutes to talk about my boy. This guy I've been waiting to throw out as a buy <laughs> since week one. Uh, Tyler Lockett. The time is, is I'll now. I'll let you take over on this one. The time is now to buy Tyler Lockett. Um, so he gets hurt in week two. Week one, he gets eight targets, which is you know it's pretty good. Uh, week two, he has four targets in the first quarter and a half, and he catches all of them for 99 yards. And then he gets hurt. Uh, turns out he has a partial tear to his PCL, his injury he had. Um, and then it's just ineffective through the next two and a half games because he's hurt. Uh, but now he's had the bye to heal up. You know, he practiced fully today. You know, the reports are that he's in full health. They're going to get him back involved in the offense. Um, and he gets Atlanta this week. And Trufant is kind of scary, but Trufant will likely be on Doug Baldwin. So it could be that Lockett kind of becomes a de facto secondary target there. The worry with Lockett, uh, the sort of unexpected thing that has foiled a little bit of my sort of preseason projections for him is that Jimmy Graham is alive and well and is himself, Ooh. it appears. Um, and so that's kind of scary because if Jimmy Graham keeps being what he's been since, you know, over the last few weeks, then this probably isn't a lock. It's the de facto number two, but more of like a 2A, 2B. Maybe even he's just the number three and Jimmy Graham's the number two. Uh, the thing that has me thinking that the Jimmy Graham thing might be a little bit of a mirage is that it started as soon as Lockett got hurt in that week two game is when his production upticked and then has continued since then. So we haven't seen this offense with both of them at full health and full speed yet. This will be the first week we really see it. So it could, it's, one of them will probably have a nice game because they won't, you know, they won't see Trufant. It's just which one is it? Uh, the good news with Lockett is he should be just so, so cheap since he's done that done nothing this year besides that one Rams game where he had still less than 10 points he's really just done nothing um he might be on your waiver wire which if he is then like go pick him up uh but even if he's not even if someone's still having on the end of your bench um he's worth throwing someone else that you're stashing on the end of your bench see if you can pull off some little swap um because unless the Lockett owner is me (laughs) they're not hyped on him I feel like I'm the only person that's still in on Tyler Lockett yeah I don't mind that now a question I do have now does it Jimmy Graham uptick coincide with the Tyler Lockett injury, or does it coincide with the Tommy Rawls injury and see Mike awakening and forcing the <laughs> opposing defenses to respect his elite talent? It could be all of the above. I mean, that really, yeah, we saw the same thing. The, like basically, <laughs> Lockett got hurt in the exact same time Rawls got hurt, and then Sea Woke is like, all right, I got this. I'm on yeah, don't awake. worry, guys. And then just started ripping <laughs> off runs. See <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike. See Mike. Man, he looks like he looks like the truth. He might. It's, it's possible I'll be very sad in a month, and I'll be, you know, pumping him as a sell with Rawls coming back. Who knows? Future me is going to decide if I'm doing that or if I'm believing that C Mike is this league-winning running back the rest of the way. We'll see what he does wow. over the next month without Rawls. He's got a nice little matchup this week. He does. He does. And I was reading that there's some, like, storm coming over Seattle that could heavily affect the, uh, I mean, you never want to put too much credence into this type of thing. Sure. I mean, it's it's only Wednesday, but, you know, typically when conditions are bad, it turns into more of a running Ooh. running fest. Lean on C-Mike. The, the one thing that worries me a little bit with C-Mike now that we're just on a C-Mike tangent is that... Um, yeah, we were talking about Lockett to begin with. But now, is C-Mike is just taking over like he's taking he's over the Seattle backfield. Um, a lot of his sort of emergence also coincided with uh, ProSize being hurt. Uh, but now ProSize is practicing fully, and so it's probably going to play this week. So he might lose some of that passing down work to ProSize, and then he's not a three-down back. He's just a two-down back, which is still pretty valuable in this offense. But 
We might not quite be the bell cow we've seen over the last couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. You know, maybe ProSize is, is bad. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah. And then you might just well, keep running with it. CJ Spiller. <laughs> CJ Spiller vultures a touchdown against the Jets. Everyone tilts. Well, I mean, now that they've had the uh, bye week to acclimate CJ Spiller into the offense a little bit more, he maybe looked, he looked good, man. On his on his like whatever it was four touches in that game, he looked he looked like Is an he NFL fantasy relevant. Back. No, no. Okay. No. If if Prosize no. wasn't on the team, then maybe he'd be like PPR, like flex worthy, I guess. But no, he's not. Absolutely. Not. All right, that's it for our well, buys. Let's cap it there. Buys, go out and get these guys. Uh, you might have to pay fair value. These are just names we're throwing out that we like schedule-wise, that we like uh, to turn their season around if they're having a little bit of a slow start. Mm-hmm. But go out and get them. Get them. Stash approved. Bam. Let's just start it off with Sammy Coates. Oh, just going to start really, I'm, Yeah, I'm just going to dive <laughs> right into this one with Sammy Coates. Right, now, if you yeah. watch the buy video, depending on what the order that we uh, put these out, we, we found a way to bring Sammy Coates into every <laughs> single one of our, our player takes. Yeah. So let's just get this out of the way. Sammy Coates is our sell of the week. Yeah. Uh, I think his value is probably the highest that it's going to be. For sure. And, well, here's the thing with Sammy Coates. I will say this. You need to sell him like he is, I, I won't say a wide receiver one, but a, a high-end wide receiver two right now. Yeah. Because it's quite easy with the narrative with the targets that he's been getting, with the the production that he's been putting up, the fact that he's in Pittsburgh's offense, which has looked elite. Mm-hmm. Okay, you look at the last couple of weeks; they they blew out Kansas City. They uh, put up a lot of yards against the Jets, uh, which hasn't been hard to do. Fair play, but right. Sammy Coates, uh, you can sell him as this. Okay, he's he's right behind Antonio Brown. If you look at their production, he only has twenty six fewer receiving yards. Yeah. Then Antonio Brown, he's basically taken over completely. Marcus Wheaton is an afterthought. And the reason why I want to sell, not that I think Eli Rogers is going to come back and have like this huge role, but Eli Rogers has been hurt Yeah. with this turf toe, right? Eli Rogers had a full practice on Wednesday. So his production might take a hit. And we saw him drop a lot of passes, right? That might yeah. be the most frustrating 25-point performance that I've ever seen. <laughs> 11 targets, um, all of them catchable, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and he drops five of them, five drops. And these weren't like drops where it was like a ticky-tacky drop where it's like he's stretching out and he can almost get it, but it just kind of like bounces off his hand. These are like it falls into his hand and then just bounces right out. Like these are like horrendous. It reminds me of a Kelvin Benjamin, uh, like Kelvin in his rookie year, where he'd like have these like – infuriating drops where it's like how do you drop that pass then on the next play he'd make some like circus catch and it's like how can you catch that but you can't you can't make this really basic catch on the play before um and yeah i'm with you on the eli rogers thing and even though this is like total hyperbole um if ladarius green does come back and he's a thing that's gonna eat into the target share i mean he might not but still you know jesse james doesn't warrant that many targets outside of the red zone um so that's something yeah, I mean, Sammy Coates, he's, he's seen a huge uptick in ownership mm-hmm. in just the past couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, he had steady production. He had a 10-point week in week two. And then last week against Kansas, or before the Jets, against Kansas City, he had nine targets. So he has been seeing targets. But he didn't explode until this last week against the Jets. And you have to look at the Jets' secondary a little bit, too. 
right? They have been susceptible to getting torched by these outside speedster wide receivers. And basically, if you look at Sammy Coates' long touchdown, it was just a simple go route. He just ran down the field, and and Roethlisberger chucked it up to him, and he actually caught this one and then took it into the end zone. But the the moment that sticks out with me the most was I think they were on – I'm a Lev Bell owner – disclaimer Mm. so i was watching this game they had the ball like the one yard line so i'm sitting there being like just give the ball to bell please (laughs) and and roethlisberger drops back he has sammy Coates wide open in the end zone from one yard out throws a perfect pass not too hard he didn't like gun it in there from Mm -hmm. a short distance he floated it right into the coat's hands clanked right off of his hands and then coats just collapsed and was lying (laughs) on the ground like he was dead yeah he, stay, he stayed on the ground for like a minute, yeah. just hands in his face because he knows he just made a huge blunder. And I was like, oh, my God, Sammy Coates, what are you doing? But then again, you know, 139 yards, two touchdowns. For somebody who didn't watch the game, because I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to these drops. Yeah. Right? They might just take a look at the box score. They might see that, oh, he had 139 yards and two touchdowns. Sammy Coates is a sell, guys. Yeah, I mean, especially because, what, 70-something yards and one of those touchdowns was on that that go route. That's just like a fluky play. You can't can't expect him to just sprint past a corner every game. (laughs) Like, that's not like a super, like, he was like five yards ahead of that guy. It was insane. Yeah. Um, So, like, you take away that play, which, you know, obviously always kind of sucks to do. But with a fluky play like that, it's a little more fair. And you're looking at, like, you know, 60 yards in a touchdown, which is probably more of what he is of this, like, you know, mid to low end wide receiver two who like a touchdown makes his week and without it he just kind of has like okay yardage that's probably what he actually is yeah he's not sammy goats no he is sammy uh, he, he, he <laughs> does have he does have like a freakish athletic build yeah right uh so there is potential there i think they're trying desperately to turn him into martavis bryant like they're trying yeah. to get him involved <laughs> and we saw it i mean Antonio Brown had a fairly quiet game against the Jets, mm-hmm. as far as Antonio Brown goes, right? When you're looking at the two receivers, you would think that Brown would be the one to get the 25 points. But I think they're making a concerted effort to to get Sammy Coates the ball. Maybe they're hoping that Sammy Coates can be that X factor where if they show opposing defenses that they have this threat— that the defenses are going to have to respect that, which mm-hmm. will just give more space to Antonio Brown, which will give more space to, to Le'Veon Bell. Give more uh, space to Ladarius Green. Give more space to Jesse <laughs> James. Uh, <laughs> so Sammy Coates, I think you can go out and sell him for a pretty decent package right now just because of the offense he plays in, because of the production he's put up. Um, the narrative is easy. He's right behind Antonio Brown, and, and he's still going to be facing – the lesser cornerback because no one is going to look at Pittsburgh and say, oh, we need to put our top corner on Sammy Coates. That's not going to happen with Antonio Brown. So he will have weaker matchups. Easy to uh, to sell right now. Very easy. And uh, a sort of a good thing to point out is some people say might say to wait a week to sell him because he gets Miami this week, who also have just like an awful secondary. And so like maybe he exploits them again. But the problem with waiting on that is one, uh, he might not. It could very easily be an, a huge Antonio Brown game and Coates kind of comes back down to earth. And two, uh, it's easier to sell him when he has a good matchup. It's easier to be like, look what he just did, and now he gets a secondary that's just as bad. You know, because most, I've kind of mentioned this before, but 
a lot of owners are sitting there looking like, how does this trade help me immediately this week? Even if they aren't, you know, 0-5 or 1-4, they need to win immediately. They might have a winning record, but they're still like, how does this trade help me right now? And that kind of helps you with coaches to be like, look, he has a great matchup this week. Uh, you can use him immediately. Yep. And, uh, I mean, his splits at home and away, it's really early in the season. But, I mean, if you just look at his performances uh, – Week one, he had two catches for 56 yards on the road. Mm -hmm. He goes back home and he puts up, uh, so 5.6 points on the road. Week two, he's at home, he puts up 10.3. So you get 10.3 points from Sammy Coates, you're very happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go back out on the road against Philly in that game where they got humiliated, and he puts up five points. Right. Then he goes back home two games in a row against Kansas City and New York, and he's putting up 7.8 against Kansas City with nine targets and 25.9 against New York with yeah. 11 targets. So he has had better production at home. He's about to go on the road against Miami, who is a bad secondary, but he might not put up the numbers. And he, I feel like he, he hasn't solidified himself yet. So you kind of have to take advantage of where he's at now. Because mm-hmm. like you said, if he goes against a terrible secondary and puts up pedestrian numbers, then people are going to be like, eh, He's he's too boom or bust, right? But after his last two games, where he's seen you know an average of ten targets a game, he's put up respectable numbers. I think the time is is right. Yeah, uh, I am, I am with you on the get rid of Sammy Wotes. Uh, let's move on to our next our next sell. Uh, this is a guy I pointed out more. I don't even really know if you're on the same page as me, but uh, Tevin Coleman as a sell. Okay. Um, this a lot of this has to do with uh, one the shift in volume. Um, it was like an even split early in the season, but it's kind of been trending away from that as the season has gone on, especially this last week. Uh, in Denver, Tevin had 10 touches and Freeman had 26. Um, and that's much more yeah. of your like lead back to change of pace back kind of split. Um, but Tevin kind of puts up this fluky line of four catches for 132 yards and a receiving touchdown, um, which just isn't that isn't really what Tevin Coleman is. Like, I watched that game, and it was kind of crazy to see because he would just be wide open, and then he'd catch the pass and then sprint for another 30 yards, and it was like there was no concerted effort to tackle him with any kind of urgency. Um, it was kind of bizarre. So I'd, I wouldn't expect that to be a regular occurrence. So his, his production is kind of bolstered by this wacky receiving line, um, and the, the touches just aren't quite there to expect it to be there consistently. He's probably going to be pretty boomer bust the rest of the way. Uh, but he's had enough boom weeks like out of the season that you could probably sell him as like an RB2 and I'd be I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, I mean I'm with you there. I, Freeman has actually been one of the players that has surprised me this year. Yeah. Uh I really didn't think much of him coming into the season. I thought that he slowed down uh the Freeman we saw towards the end of last year was a Freeman that we would get this year. Uh but he has he has looked good, yeah. and he looked good against Denver. Uh, what surprised me a little bit was that Freeman got a, a carry from the one-yard line. Yeah. Uh, fourth and one, they decided to go for it, <laughs> and they gave the ball to Devonta Freeman, the small running back, and he took it into the end zone. So if Freeman starts getting this 
Because I know the, the narrative a couple of weeks ago was that Coleman is eating into Freeman's red zone time mm-hmm. uh, and that Coleman's going to be this vulture. We saw it in the New Orleans game where Coleman, Freeman was going off, right? Freeman had the yardage, but Coleman scored all the touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he scored the three touchdowns in that game. Uh, and he scored another receiving touchdown in this last game. Uh, but it looks like Freeman is the lead back. You pointed it out already with the usage numbers. Uh, he's receiving uh, more carries. He seems to be like the de facto first and second down back. Mm-hmm. Coleman will come in for like his odd series. Uh, but like you said, 10 touches. He's kind of being used as a change of pace back, which will work every once in a while. But it's not going to be something you can consistently count on. And I think his value is high enough right now, especially after that game against Denver, who is supposed to be a elite defense, right? They are an elite defense or a good defense. You can be like, look what Ke- uh, Coleman just did against Denver. He's somebody you want. And he's he's a Devonta Freeman injury away from being like a bona fide top five running back. So yeah. I like I like selling Tevin Coleman, but the value has to be right because if you yeah. look at the numbers right now, it's it's through five weeks, but they're both RB ones. They're both top yeah. eight running back plays. Tevin Coleman is actually uh, the seventh overall running back in the game. Just behind him is Devonta Freeman. Mm-hmm. So Tevin Coleman's actually outscored Devonta Freeman in standard scoring, uh, averaging fifteen points a game, which is crazy, yeah. right? But Devonta Freeman is right there. I would sell Tevin Coleman. I just don't know what to make of this. Like, if this is sustainable, then we could see for the first time like a backfield that can produce two startable running backs at the same time. Like, we're not talking about like the Doug Martin, Charles Sims, where you can flex Sims if you need to because we'll see some volume in the passing game. But Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman right now on two separate teams could be the running back one, yeah. which is very strange to think about. Uh, but, hey, uh, I think if you can get value for Tevin Coleman usage-wise because of what we've seen, go out and do it. Yeah, I mean, he's more of a soft sell because he is you know, a Freeman injury away from being like a, a legit RB1. He's just more of like a see of someone who's running back desperate is willing to value him as like what his numbers are showing, which is an RB1, even though I don't think the volume is there enough to have that be a consistent thingamading. Thingamading. Um, thingamading. I mean, with Atlanta, too, they've looked really, really good. I have to, to tip my hat to Atlanta, but we saw this last year. You know, they started, what, 6-0 and last year? Hmm. And they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. So they were off to a hot start, and they hit a wall. I'm not going to say that's going to happen this year because i think their win against denver on the road was was really really impressive yeah and it's kind of announced that they're legit right because everything before that carolina game was like okay atlanta's been a mirage they're gonna come back to earth against carolina well that didn't happen at all they blew carolina out of the water and it's turning out to be or looking like at least that carolina's not very good but then going on the road into Denver, where I think in their last 18 games at home, they've only lost one, or they had only lost one going into that game, or mm-hmm. two. A very, their dominant home team, and Atlanta just came in and uh, lit them up. So there is there is narrative to go in Tevin Coleman's favor right now. Not only is he putting up numbers, but you can just point to the offense. Look, Atlanta's elite, and if you get the package. Now, what would you trade Tevin Coleman for? I think with Tevin Coleman... 
the if I'm looking at like wide receivers, I'd be willing to take for him. Um, I would take Amari Cooper um, if the the owner of that is running back desperate. Um, maybe Brandon Cooks. Kind of mentioned him as a buy. You know, Coleman might get you Cooks. Um, either of the Broncos wide receivers, like Thomas or Sanders, I think I'd trade Coleman for either of them. That's kind of the range of wide receiver, the like high-end wide receiver too, who you expect to produce better than they have, at least in the short term, maybe even the long term. Um, running back-wise, if for some reason someone's willing to do a one-for-one, one, um, I mean, if you could do Coleman, if you could do a package that involves you getting Coleman and getting Lacey back, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I was just going to say Eddie Lacy. I mean, he yeah. was in our buy section. Or like a Doug Martin. Yeah, uh, that's You can put package Coleman together and get a Doug Martin. Uh, I don't think you can do it one for one if the yeah. Doug Martin owner is smart. But you might be able to add to Tevin Coleman, maybe do a two for one and get Doug Martin. That would be legit. A two for. Um, a two yeah. for. Two for. Too legit. Um, all right, let's move on to our next sell. Uh, this is, we mentioned him last week. Uh, Jeremy going- Curley. No, <laughs> we were going to talk about Jeremy Curley, but I just don't think it's worth it. No one actually owns Jeremy Curley, um, and that is Melvin Gordon. Um, we went we went off on him last week. It's really just that he's been very inefficient um, because that offensive line is just in in tatters. Uh, he's been sort of buoyed by these this unsustainable touchdown rate. He does it again, you know, this week with yep. the receiving touchdown. Um, his, his running was a little bit better. He actually averaged over four yards a carry, uh, you know, but that's against Oakland. So like, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> what are those? Who is Oakland? Who even is Oakland? Uh, yeah. So just again, like the touchdown rate is going to fall off. He can be valued, valued as an RB one, um, to sort of show you that we practice what we preach. We did sell Melvin Gordon last week in a, in a joint league we do in a package that got us, uh, Odell Beckham back, which after one week doesn't look great, but I guess you just got to trust Odell. Odell finds a way. Hey, he scored. He He scored his first touchdown of the year. He did. Uh, Helped us not win that matchup. (laughs) Helped us tie. (laughs) Helped us not lose. Yeah. Hey, we'll we'll take it. We're still technically undefeated. But, yeah, I mean, that was exactly the package we were talking about last week. If you can package Melvin to get Odell, go ahead and do it. Now, we had to add in a couple extra pieces to get it done, but yeah, it was I like, still really like the trade. It was Dorsett, who's like proven to be useless, basically, at this point. Uh, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson, who could have a nice year, but he's just so boomer bust, and we didn't really need him. You know, that was like a pretty easy thing to do to just make our receiving core uh, or donk a donk. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but not to talk too much, you no, know. Not, not to pat just a reminder that if you didn't sell Melvin Gordon last week, uh, do it this week because his value should still be high coming off of another touchdown week. Yeah, um, I mean, if you watch the Raiders game too against San Diego, more times than not, he was getting stuffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he did break away for one long run. That was it. And then if you look at all of his other runs, they were pretty mediocre. Yeah. And then he had that receiving touchdown at the beginning of the second half where it looked like Oakland just didn't come out to play in the second half because San Diego marched right down the field and scored really, really quickly twice and then just was not heard from again mm-hmm. after that. But the thing to point out is that I know McCoy came out and he said they're not concerned, but Melvin Gordon fumbled at the end of the New Orleans game, cost him a win. He fumbled at the end of the Oakland game, cost them a win. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you might not 
say that, oh, well, it's not all Melvin Gordon's fault. You know, look at the field goal that they botched. Look at all these other plays that went wrong. But that play right there, fumbling on their side of the field, was a huge momentum shift in that game. Mm -hmm. And right after that, if you remember, uh, Oakland took the lead and never gave it back. They, uh, they, the fourth and two, car to Crabtree connection, uh, touchdown. They got the two-point conversion, and San Diego never had the lead again. So that Melvin Gordon fumble really came back to bite them, and it's the second week in a row. Now, the thing is that kind of saves Melvin Gordon is there's no one else <laughs> right? right like if he was having a fumbling problem and there was somebody knocking on the door like waiting to get touches then he might start losing yeah. volume already but the thing with melvin gordon is i just don't think we're going to see this sustainable touchdown rate his production will probably drop and he has not only a banged up offensive line but not like a fantastic schedule so yeah for sure um, yeah, we don't need to harp on him much longer. Let's move on yeah. to our next sell, um, Martellus Bennett, the three-touchdown three wonder. Yeah. Wow. Um, eight targets for six catches, 67 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be surprising anyone to say this is not a reproducible thing. You know, maybe he has another multi-touchdown week this season, but this isn't the norm. Um, he hasn't supplanted Gronk as the number one tight end in this offense by any means. Um, this was just kind of a fluke, really. I mean, it shows that Cleveland can be just gashed by the tight end, um, but it's not something I would expect to continue. And the sort of nice thing with Martellus Bennett is that uh, historically there's sort of a narrative you could present of like, look, this is the Aaron Hernandez-Gronk thing from years ago, and now it's Martellus Bennett instead. And Aaron Hernandez was like a legit tight end one during that time, so Martellus Bennett can do it too. And uh, so you could, you know sell him with that narrative and get a little something in return. Whereas I think that was mostly just the Gronk Brady connection kind of warming back up. Gronk finally getting up to game speed. I'm not, I don't, I don't know if Gronk's going to be quite the, the target monster. He was in seasons past. Not that Martellus Bennett is there, but this is not, this is not what Martellus Bennett is. Three touchdowns. Yeah. And, and Julian Edelman wasn't really involved in this game. Yeah. He's been hampered by this foot injury, but I mean, typically he is Brady's favorite target yeah. right alongside Gronk. So he was very limited. He's still limited. Uh, I think if he comes back in his full speed, then we're going to see, you know, we're not going to see three touchdowns from Martellus Bennett. No. But I did enjoy seeing Gronk owners just tilt into oblivion. <laughs> the yeah. fact that Martellus Bennett was the one who caught all three of the touchdown passes. Yeah. And Gronk still had a respectable game. Yeah, he still did he, well. He went over 100. But if he would have, you know, received one of those touchdowns, he would have had, like, an amazing game. Mm. <clears throat> but, yeah, um, Martellus Bennett, I think it's it's harder to sell tight ends. It is, yeah. The market First just goal. isn't really there for tight ends um, because most people have, like, a serviceable enough tight end. So they're going to be like, I don't know, what I really need to pay up. So you're going to have to target a little bit low. Uh, but we kind of mentioned during the buy segment, like, I would do Martellus Bennett for, like, Jeremy Macklin or, like, uh, we mentioned Latavius Murray. I'd probably do it. I'd probably be willing to make that trade. Um, where does yeah, he kind of sit I mean, for you? I, I mean, I would take just about anyone just because yeah. of the whole landscape of the tight end position. It's really a crapshoot. Um, and I think if you can get value back from Martellus Bennett, then you have to take it because, I mean, we're not going to see three touchdowns again from Martellus Bennett. Um, and you can probably find a good enough tight end yeah. on the waiver wire 
So if you can get positive value in terms of other positions, which are much more important, if you can get a wide receiver uh, that is usable, uh, maybe not to start. If, if you can get a startable player for Martellus Bennett, I mean, geez, by all means, go do it. But if you can get like a fringe flex play that has a chance to explode down the road, like John Brown, then yes, I would go do it. Uh-oh. Or uh, Martellus Bennett for like, uh, you know, Sammy Coates. <laughs> Sammy Woats. <laughs> Sammy Woats, yeah. Wait, I thought we were talking about selling Sammy Coates. What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, whatever. He's the best. Um, uh, all of a sudden, he's Sammy Goats again, huh? <laughs> all of a sudden, he's Sammy Goat. Uh, no, yeah, sell, sell Martellus Bennett, basically. We don't need to say much more about him. Yeah, he's, he's a tight end. Sell him. Yeah, I mean, get rid of him. It seems like Greg Olson is the only uh, elite tight end this year. Basically, yeah. Uh, let's move on to another sell. Uh, Hit me. Theoretic. Ba-bam. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bam! Theoretic, yes. Uh, if you missed it, Justin Forsett has officially signed with the Detroit Lions of Detroit. Uh, further muddying that situation they have Dwayne Washington probably coming back yeah they have Justin Forsett they have Theo Riddick Theo Riddick has kind of proven that he's not that great between the tackles so he's going to stay relevant in PPR okay because he will be that pass catching back that can have these monster weeks but in standard leagues he is going to be relegated to that third down pass catching role we saw probably the highest point of his ceiling in the last week. Or he I think he had a week one game, which was very similar. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you should have value. Uh, he just put up a big week. He's a, st- he's a running back. Yeah. Uh, running backs always should bring back value. And I think we just mentioned it. Uh, with Forsett, with Dwayne Washington, he won't really be receiving the early down work. So you're kind of banking on getting a third down catch maybe getting some red zone looks but he's kind of touched on dependent and standard at this point yeah he really is and it's not like you know the the amir injury happened and um his volume didn't spike that much um he's still sitting around like you know 10 carries a game you know six to nine receiving targets you know it's his 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 workload has kind of stayed the same with uh, Amir out. They just they tried to lean on Dwayne more, and that didn't work because he got hurt. And so they've been leaning yep. on Zach Zenner, but that hasn't really meant anything. Um, so it's you know it's, double Z. So yeah, it's just you know the the touchdowns are making him productive, but I wouldn't. That's not something you can really count on week to week, and it's about to get muddier. So you know, try to sell him as like a an RB two to a running back desperate team. Yeah, I think you can do it. There are plenty of running back desperate teams out there. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, if you drafted Theo Riddick late and you have running back depth, then you can use him to bolster other parts of your roster. I mean, Indeed. this is kind of the point. We're just reaching that point where if you are sitting in a good spot, if you feel confident that you are going to make the playoffs, you can start setting yourself up for the postseason run now you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch but if you're if you're four and one or five and oh and looking at your upcoming schedule looking at the makeup of your roster this is when maybe not this week but in the upcoming weeks is when you kind of start to tinker around a little bit to set yourself up Mm -hmm. for that championship run and if you could sell off theoretic and get somebody 
who can help you down the stretch, then by all means, do it. Do it, yeah. Um, Do it. The sort of range of wide receivers I'd be looking at is like – Talk a little bit about like Emmanuel Sanders. You might be able to swing that off of a down week. Um, I've been like talking to the Doug Baldwin owner in all my leagues unsuccessfully. Um, so maybe maybe poking maybe he isn't really. No one's selling him right now. Coming out of the buy, maybe like no, I held him through the buy. I'm gonna I'm, I'm keeping him. But yeah. that, that's kind of the range of that kind of you know mid range wide receiver too. He might be able to land for him. Yeah, I mean I would do that definitely. And, you, and even if you have to package somebody along, yeah. uh, let's just use two of our, our cells. I mean, you oh, could probably Lord. sell a Theo Riddick and a Sammy Coates <laughs> for Sammy somebody Coates. very valuable. You can do a two-for-one. You know, you look at a team that needs a running back, and you want to target maybe a higher-end wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go, well, look, I'm going to give you a wide receiver to replace with Sammy Coates. And then I'm going to give you a running back with Theo Riddick, who just put up a monster week. Yeah. So you could probably, you know, sell that package, go and get somebody like an Allen Robinson, maybe. maybe. Yeah, that's not that's not impossible. Um, uh, probably not like very likely, but it's something mm-hmm. to kick the tires on, or any other good receiver that's kind of having, you know, a, a down period, or it could be on a bye week or something yeah. like that. Maybe you know? Brandon Cooks, if you're buying into that, that p- package might land you him. Um, if you're trying to swing that package for a running back instead, um, Eddie Lacy or Doug Martin, those guys you might be able to get out of that package. Um, if they're having problems at wide receiver, and they're like, oh, man, my receiver depth is just awful. And like, hey, here's Sammy Goats, and I'll kick in a theoretic. Um, that, might, that might be possible. Yeah, I mean... There are very few, there are probably very few balanced teams in your league. Yeah. Just from, I mean, we're in, what, five leagues. Yeah. And just looking at the landscape of the other lineups, you typically get teams that have strong running back cores or strong wide receiver cores, but there are really only like two or three teams in a 12-team league on average that I've seen that have really good balance. So yeah. these are the, the, the unbalanced teams are who you're trying to pick apart, right? Definitely. You see that they're really desperate for a certain position and you attack, you attack that position. Attack. Uh, you attack. <laughs> the, and Sammy Coates and, and Theo Riddick, uh, it's a nice package, right? A nice, it's a nice package. Um, yeah, I that's agree. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about nice packages, man. Um, yeah, let's, let's move on to, I guess, our last sell. Our um, last sell, let's do it. Terrence West. Who? <laughs> Terrence West, exactly who. Um, oh, uh, you mean you mean the uh, the lesser of the two Wests, between the, you know, Charizard West and uh, Terrence West. I mean, sure, I'll take that shot of Terrence West. I don't care. Why not? The worst <laughs> West in the league. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, he had that monster week four against Oakland, um, and then everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the guy for now. But then even, you know, this week against Washington, uh, he only got 11 carries, which is what he was seeing on average every week before the Oakland game. So he kind of reverted to what his workload was before that. Um, He put together 95 yards on it. A lot of it came on that crazy third and one play where he rips off a long run because the defense is just completely crowded along the line of scrimmage. Um, Wouldn't count on that being a regular occurrence. And so, you know, and that was against Washington, which is a really good matchup. And now he gets the Giants and the Jets, which are two bad matchups, um, and then his bye week. And you got to think over the span of those three weeks, Dixon is going to start getting up to speed, start getting worked in the offense more. Um, by the time they have a good matchup again, Dixon could very well be the guy, or at least, like, more of the guy than West. 
Yeah, I mean, they don't really have a good matchup until week 10 yeah. uh, against Cleveland with that bye week mixed in. So now would be the time um, you can... I don't know what to make of this whole Tressman thing. I'm interested to see how the Baltimore offense runs now that Tressman is gone. Um, maybe Dixon does take on more of a role. I know the narrative was, okay, pump your brakes on, on Kenneth Dixon now. You know, he... I think he had four snaps in the game against yeah, Washington. He, play he played much. four snaps. Uh, Terrence West was basically the uh, the lead back, even though he did only receive 11 carries. Mm. But you're right. I mean, before the 21 he had against Oakland, it was 10 against Jacksonville, 11 against Cleveland, and 12 against Buffalo. Yeah. So right around where he's been. Mm-hmm. And with the, the upcoming schedule, with the fact that he is Terrence West, with the fact that there are plenty of running back needy teams out there, and he probably is a viable running back too right now, or at least a flex. Yeah. Um, you can get value for Terrence West, and, mm-hmm. and now is the time to do it because just like with these studs where when they have a big game, people will remember, oh, yeah, they're a stud. Well, as soon as Terrence West puts up a stinker, then he reverts back into a pumpkin, and people yeah. are like, oh, shit, you know, it's Terrence West. What do we really expect? You know, because he's had under 10 points in four of the uh, five games this year. Uh, he was splitting time with Forsett early. There is that to mention. But New York, New York, New York, both on the road and then a bye. The mm. next three weeks, he's like, I mean, he's benchable almost. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, unless you're, he'll unless be fine during his bye week. Oh, yeah. I mean, no light bye up. <laughs> <laughs> Although buys are pretty stingy defense, they've they've held everyone to zero that I've seen. It's unsustainable. That's going to regress. There's no way buy can keep this up over the stretch of a full season. I mean, the two top defenses in the league, buy in Minnesota. <laughs> Who's better, buy or Minnesota? Minnesota, eh? I mean, Minnesota. Yeah, they forced a goose egg upon Kelvin Benjamin. That's so. true. That's just like just like buy did or will do. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe Kelvin will go off against buy. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um. Yeah, that's it for our our cells. Yeah, that's it for our cells. I think that's it, yeah. That's pretty much it for the cells this week. Uh, We'll hit you up soon with sneaky starts. Yeah, sneaky starts coming up. Um, Then we'll, you know, throw keeping score out sometime this weekend, which seems more like it's just being used for my own enjoyment than anyone else's, but that's fine. I have a point to prove, and I'll prove it to myself if I have to. Oh, Um, well, by the end of the season when it's like, heavily in favor of the running back then you can you know pat yourself on the back really point it. right now it's like yeah there's an even split it's not very interesting um yeah but sneaky starts have been very successful for, for us this year so keep an eye out for that in the coming days yeah yeah we might want to we might start posting that one a little bit early because yeah. i know by the time we actually post sneaky starts it's like less than 24 hours before the <laughs> matchups not and, really in which time. case yeah some people already have their uh, lineup set Mm. So uh, we'll look at getting sneaky starts out a little bit earlier in the upcoming weeks. But thank you guys for watching, for commenting. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, which is right above Leo Khaleesi's head. And follow us, like us on Facebook, and continue to do all your YouTube-y things. Yes, like, comment, subscribe. Tell us why we're the best or the worst. Ask us your trade questions on YouTube, as you always are ones to do. And, um, yeah, we will catch you on the flippity. Flappity. <laughs>